Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you. We just bless and exalt your name. We magnify, Lord, your holy name. We just appreciate you for this moment. And we're asking God for insight. We're asking God for revelation and wisdom in your word. In Jesus' name. Okay, we continue with our, our study on biblical language in numbers. I don't know how many of you are actually being blessed by this and have started receiving some prophetic word through numbers as God begins to reveal them. Um, one thing you have to understand is you truly trust what is possible to position yourself as you start receiving these things because uh, the atmosphere will be open for you to begin to walk in the light of what you're receiving. Anytime word of God comes to you, He opens the door for you to enter through, to receive in the light of those things which is um, sharing forth or speaking forth at a particular time. That is where the word of God becomes not only useful, but empowering. because causes you to grow. Um... I'm so glad one of us a few days ago, uh, I was still got a revelation, and um, the individual was in this vision here, and he saw in this house uh, three colors, you know, blue, white, and green. He used to paint this hall, he was in the vision, and uh, he found me standing at the main entrance, and as assistant pastor standing on this second entrance, which are very prophetic. Now, if you take those three, I mean, those three colors, and take the two persons, which is three and two, if you add them, you have five, which is grace. And then if you study the colors, uh, white is righteousness, green is prosperity and life, blue is heavenly. So God is speaking of what he's doing within the atmosphere. And we stand in by the gate. Uh, I remember it was Sunday as well, we made this prayer. We're talking about when the scripture talks about lift your head, your gates of heaven, and let the glory comes in. So it's like the door being opened for people to come in. And Jesus will use the word that says, I'm the good shepherd. You know, through me, you come to the Father. So the ministry of the world is causing people to come to the Father. You see? So when you come to a season like this, you have to open up your spirit to begin to receive ministrations. And that just means you're growing from one level of grace to another in your walk with God. Amen? Uh, just like you read the Word, you read the Bible, you receive ministrations, even so as you're receiving this teaching, your heart and your mind is open up, the atmosphere is opened up for you to move into another dimension of God's grace by which you begin to receive ministrations from God. Are you with me? Alright, so today we're going to be dealing with number five. I mentioned that briefly, I'm sure, last Wednesday, so we're dealing with number five. 
uh, it's quite an interesting number. Uh, uh, endeavor by the time we go through to also apply this when you are uh, having dreams about number five. I'm going to touch a little bit on that. So, number five speaks of God's grace. Primarily, is God's grace. That's number five. You know, it talks about God's goodness, God's favor towards mankind. That's number five. God's grace, God's goodness, and God's favor towards mankind. That is number five. Amen? And number five is mentioned 318 times in the scriptures. 318 times as number five is mentioned in the scriptures. Five has a number of grace. If when it multiplies itself, that is five times five, will give you 25. Which means grace upon grace. Five times five gives you 25. And that means grace upon grace. Uh, for instance, let's look at John chapter 1 verse 15. When you read there, you said, scripture says, John bore, bore witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And verse 16 says, And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. Grace for grace. So grace upon grace. That is five times five. That's what you see there. Grace upon grace. Hallelujah. Alright. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments, um, you thoroughly study the Ten Commandments given by Moses, you find that it's divided into two. You see? Five of those commandments speaks of her relationship and treatment we have or we should have towards God. And the other five speaks of our relationship and the treatment we should have towards other fellow beings. That's what you find in, in the Ten Commandments. Five is your relationship and treatment towards God. Five is a relationship and treatment towards mankind. That's what you find in the Ten Commandments. So if you go back and study that, for instance, in Exodus chapter 20, you study the Ten Commandments, you find that five is dealing with how you deal with God, how you relate to God, and five is dealing with how you relate to man. And that's why it's very important. So even we agree that we can't keep the Ten Commandments even as the case may be, but if you study it, you see what God was trying to do. He's asking you, this is the way you deal with God, and this is the way you deal with man. And give you the five marching orders on how you deal with God, and five marching orders on how you deal with man. That's the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. Now, the book of Psalm, the whole book of Psalm, is divided into five major sections. Five major sections. And um, so you find a section one is from Psalm 1 to Psalm 41. That is the book of Psalm. Section 1 is from Psalm number 1 to Psalm 41. That's section 1. You know, 
and it deals more with the issue of the Passover of the children of Israel, as it were, as the case may be. Then section 2 is dealing with Psalm 42 to Psalm 72, the book of Psalm. Here it deals with what I would call the unification of Israel, or Israel getting united in the promised land. And that speaks of the new creation of that what you call the New Testament church. So if you study Psalm 42 to 72, this is the message that is coming out of it, dealing with the New Testament, but you know, kind of being brought out from Israel, being united in the promised land. Psalm 42 to 72. Now, section 3 is taken from Psalm 73 to Psalm 89. And this speaks of the sorrowing, as it were, the bemoaning of the destruction of God's holy temple and the holy city, or as it were, Jerusalem. It's a picture of how the temple destroyed the pains, the sorrow. That's what is captured in Psalm 73 to Psalm 89. You understand it? So it speaks of that which is called like end time, uh, what we call end time judgment. And the great tribulation that was going to come to Israel. That's what you find in the whole of those Psalms. Psalm 73 to 89. The fourth section is dealing with Psalm 90 to 106. That's the fourth section of the book of Psalm. And deal with the rejoicing over the what we normally call the 1000 reign. Right, millennial reign of Jesus Christ and the gathering of Israel back together. That's what the whole of those Psalms is dealing with. Then Psalms, the section 5 is dealing with uh, Psalm 107 to 150. And here he's talking about a time where Judah, uh, which stands for Israel, shall again be delivered. You know, times of joy, times of rejoicing, times of freedom. So that's what you find in the book of Psalm. Five sections, that's how it's divided. And so, if you refer again to, for instance, the book of Moses, you find that it will five books, right? The, 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 the five book of Moses actually referred to as Penta. P-E-N-T-A, Penta, which is one of the Pentateuch at the end. And it is, is actually that word means five. You know. So the, the, the books that you wrote, they are five books. Again. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you take time to study the scriptures, you find that um, we may actually see that though we have what are called the laws and sacrifices. But in the true sense, they are speaking of grace. Because you see, um, man has sin, and then you ask to bring an animal. So that's the kind of replacement. The animal comes in, and then your sins are forgiven. It's grace. In the true sense. You know, the sacrifice, all of this in our window. They are totally ministering grace to the one that brought them, in a way. You understand that? Good. Praise the Lord. Now, if you study what you call the New Testament, it's made about four Gospels plus the book of Acts. It makes it five. The other ones are epistles. 
But New Testament is Matthew to Acts. That's actually what they call the New Testament. The other writings are the writings of Paul, which has to do with the, the letters of Paul to the various churches. But if you want to talk about New Testament, there are five books. It's not necessarily from Matthew to Revelation. No. It's Matthew to Acts. That is what New Testament stands for. And then you now begin to see all other ones as uh, letters. You know, letters of Paul, letters of Galatians, to Philippians, all of these things. Amen? So, New Testament is made up of five books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and what? Acts. That's New Testament. Are you following me? Right. I want you to pick this because it's very important. And um, let me make this clarification again. Uh, I did a post on that a few days ago. You see, the book of Genesis is not part of the law. Moses wrote, so when you say the law of Moses, that does not include Genesis. The law of Moses is actually four books, which has to do with Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. These are the law books. Genesis is not included. Genesis is not a law book. Genesis is the sovereign will of God over creation. The revelation of God's mind and all that happened in terms of maybe the fall and redemption, everything what God intends to do is what we find in the book of Genesis, not a law book. So when, when you say the Old Testament, you should actually exclude Genesis. I don't forget in this. The Old Testament is four books in the true sense. All other things you see like Joshua and other, they are historical books. <laughs> are you getting this? Right. It's very important to get this part right. You see, because testament means a covenant. The book of Joshua is not a covenant book. It's a historical book. <laughs> are you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. This is what people don't understand. So I said, oh, anytime I say, oh, that's Old Testament. You are talking of Genesis to Malachi. No, you're wrong. Are you getting that? So, you find what you call the Old Testament, which is actually four books, and then you find the New Testament, which is now five books. That is the way it is. So, all those Joshua and all that, they are those historical books about what Joshua did, how they moved, how Israel moved. They were not instructions per se and touching laws. Joshua will say, Well, I am a father who served the Lord, was referring to what has already been done. Are you done with me? And when you say, well, the Old Testament, why is it that you are unable to fulfill the law? I mean, why did God bring a New Testament? It is on the ground that man could not fulfill his own part of obligation. Because in Exodus 19, I think verse number 8 or so, when Moses spoke to the people, the people said, oh yes, go back and tell God everything he said we will do. So they were part of the covenant. You know, so... You play a part, we play our part. 
but man will always fail. And God realizing that man will always fail, decided to initiate a covenant without man. That is what in our New Testament, as Jesus came into the place. Are you sitting with me? Because no man will always fail. So for this testament not to fail, he removed man from the picture. And when God was making his own commandment and promises to Abraham in Genesis 15, he removed Abraham from it. So in Genesis 15 verse 12, you find that Abraham was put to sleep. He was only involved when the sacrifice will be consumed. Therefore, the promises is God was under grace. So the truth says, the book of Genesis is a book of grace. It's not a book of law. Are you still there with me? Right. Okay. So we'll come back home. Now, Apostle John wrote five books centered on the grace of God and eternal life. So there you have the Gospel of John. You have the book of 1st John, 2nd John, and then 3rd John, and then finally the book of Revelation. He wrote five books. And all of these five books are dealing with the grace of God and eternal life. Praise the Lord. Are we following? Alright. So, if you go down again to uh, the book of Daniel chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and uh, he saw, you know the image of Daniel, Babylon, Medopatia, Greece, Rome, and the defeat. Now, all of this spoke about five world ruling empires. Did you get that? Right. Five world ruling empires. That's what you see that, that ever have been in history. Five, he ended them. Okay, now five again is the number of balance, but let's look at something. Let me show you something which is very important. In Exodus chapter 20, uh, let's look at verse number five and six. Exodus 25 and six, um, what do you find there? Uh, it talks about that you're not bad unto these gods, whatever the case may be. You know the story, right? All of those things, right? I'm a jealous God. And then the, the next thing he said, with visiting iniquities unto the fourth and the third generation of them that hate me, not the fifth generation. Right? The iniquities end at the fourth generation. It didn't say fifth generation. Why? Because if we cross the fifth, grace we speak. The implication of whatever thing they did that was moving to the fourth generation cannot cross to the fifth generation because grace will speak. Did you get that? Good. And so, now when you move down to, and now there's something I was going to be saying, but people don't understand, they don't believe. They always think that, well, the generational causes will come upon you, will visit you, and all of that. Uh, your father. One illustration that used to give to us was um, Have you heard people say Abraham lied? Therefore Isaac had to lie? Have you heard that? And they call it generational causes? But who is actually lying? Is it Abraham or the church? Let me show you. Genesis 20, verse number. What number are we going to look at now? Let's look at number 12. 
Genesis 20 verse number 12. Let's see if we can pick that. What do you find? Right? Yeah. Now, Abimelech, when God kind of troubled him, and then he finally he spoke to God, you can't kill an innocent man. God said, yes, I withdraw you. I will tell you from sinning against me. You know the picture in the story, right? Okay, so what was the next thing that happened? And um, Abimelech came to Abraham. This man is a wife, but he said, she's a sister. And what was the response of Abraham? And he said, and yet indeed, she is my sister. She is what? The daughter of my father, and not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. The implication is this, in that time, you can marry eh, from your father's children. Not of the same mother, but if you're of the same father, you can marry them. That's the way it was. Are you following what I'm talking about? Well, the church said Abraham lied. Abraham never lied. They don't take time to study the book. The man never lied. That is what was operational at that time. Amen? <laughs> so this is a problem we find in the body of Christ. And so they take that as a generational cause. Which is wrong. Now, if you look at that Genesis 20, verse 5 that we read, it said, Visit iniquity unto the third and fourth generation, and you'll use the word of them that hate me. So, what brings a generational cause is hatred. If you don't hate God, no cause can come to you. Because they say, Of them that hate me. Then when you go to verse 6, Enoch said, And I will show mercy, which is grace now. Unto thousands of them that love me. Two words are important in that passage. Hatred and love. So for you today, what does the Bible say? It said we love God because he first loved us. So if you love God, why are you expressing in a generational cause? How can it happen? You are not only expecting that. I mean, you didn't only love God. Now you walk under grace. And the cause was supposed to end. Are the fourth generation. So you are a fifth generation person. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? Praise God. So causes can't cross. That's what I'm trying to make you understand. It must end with the fourth generation, if at all. Hallelujah. Okay. Five is the number of balance. The number of balance. All human beings have five toes and five fingers, as well as five senses. Do you notice that? Five toes, five fingers on each hand, and five senses. Your eye, your mind, your nose, your skin. Five senses. Hmm? Are we together? Right. So now, this is also very important. That is why you see, when somebody is leprous, hmm, the fingers are gone. Leprosy deals with the fingers and the toes. You know what that means, right? 
Good. Now, leprosy is equal sin. You see that? So now, if you read, for instance, that which is called the Lost Prayer, and uh, you begin to read and say, Forgive us our sinners, forgive those who trespass against us. What you're actually pleading for is grace. Jesus came, man can't forgiven, he came to deal with the root cause of sin. So he's a lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So the effect of leprosy, as it were, was removed. Grace was ministered. Your five fingers begins to work. Are you following what I'm saying here? So somebody with, with uh, leprosy case, you see the way he walks, it's difficult. He can't even grab anything. No grace. <laughs> so grace makes you to succeed. Grace gives you balance. You can lift, if I, if I want to lift this, I can easily lift it because I have five fingers on both sides. You understand that? Right, if you're walking, I can walk smoothly because I have five toes. So I have balance. So grace gives you balance. Even in life. Hallelujah. So it's like saying if you are living and you don't have seemingly have balance in life, what you need is what? Grace. You know, sometimes you you probably could pray for establishment, but I need to be established. What you're trying to say, I want to be balanced in my life. I don't want to be tossed to and fro. I don't want to wave. What do you need? Grace. Hallelujah. Now, man has the five senses, like we said, and the five fingers, five toes. Uh, these are what actually distinguish man from all other creatures. You know, some animals are, I mean, they show only two of the five senses that man is having, which shows man's dominion over everything that God has created. The thing that really produces or gives man dominion over every other thing God has created is because man has five senses and the highest of animals have two out of the five senses that man is having, showing that man has dominion over everything that God has created. Are we here? Now, when you start to study number five, it will tell you something. Man was, you know, as it were, the earth, the universe was created on the fourth day of Christ's week. Is that okay? Right. So if man needs help on the earth, that help that is coming to man is grace. What it means is man without God can prosper. Are you there with me? It speaks of man's impotency, inability of man to help himself. So he cannot prosper except when God comes to help him or will it, he can prosper. Making it the reason for God's grace in all situation. One of the reasons because one of the reason why man needs grace is because as I make you see, the creation which is the earth is already fallen. A man fell together with the creation. 
You see, you begin to read of how the creation was subjected to futility in the book of Romans chapter 8 now. Are you there with me? And so because man has fallen, creation has fallen, now man needs help to come from the fallen state. So what is the help that man needs now? Grace. So the favor and the kindness that God ministers to man is the grace that is coming to man and the creation that has fallen. That is why man to succeed on the earth, you need the help of God, which is the grace of God. That's number five. Hallelujah. And like I mentioned before, when the law was given, not that the law was bad, but man cannot keep the law. So he needed grace. That's why the New Testament came in. The law is perfect. That's what Paul said. <laughs> he said, but um, soul under slavery or bondage or sin, as the case may be. So, man need help to be able to fulfill the law. So now, those laws are written in the heart of man. He gives you the ability to keep the law without struggling to keep the laws. That's New Testament. It's not that it's anything else written. No other commandment is given but to love. Now, all of those laws summarize the one thing, love. Love the neighbor as you love yourself. But I just did. That's New Testament. That's why I say my commandment is not grievous. Are you getting that now? Right. But it's not in the true sense condemning the that which you call the Lord of Moses. I have to let's get this right again. There's a big difference between the laws of Moses, which are the moral laws, and the sacrificial laws. The sacrificial laws he condemned on the cross. Bring animal, your sins of forgiving deeds, you understand that? But the moral laws, for instance, they take command in a true sense. You never did away with that. You still need to love God. You still need not to worship idols. They are still there. So when we say the Lord of Moses has been condemned, we should know exactly what we're talking about. That shall not steal, is still the Ten Commandments. That shall not kill, is still the Ten Commandments. Grace did not ask you to kill because you are not grace. I don't know if you're getting this. Right. But the point now is this. You receive ability not to kill. That now becomes grace. What you could not do naturally, you have the ability now to do it. That's grace. Is that okay? So, but you see, a lot of people ranting all over the place. We're under grace, we're under grace. They don't really understand what we're talking about. Grace and empowerment. To be able to do what you could not do ordinarily is a source of help. You see that? So, it's just like, you see, four, which is the creation that are going into corruption, you add one to it, which is unity, it gives you five, strength. So, <laughs> grace is simply strength added to man. Hallelujah. Are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying now? Right. Is it the creation, which is number four, it's already falling, it's, you know... It's in this array, he cannot help himself. So now you have God coming to help man. So it's like saying four plus one, you have grace. So you add something to the falling state, and grace comes up. And that's number five. 
Hallelujah. So we receive the New Testament to enable us walk in the light of God without struggling to keep laws. And in so doing, we became righteous. So grace produces righteousness of God. Praise the Lord. Okay. I give you an example of this in terms of success. You remember the case of Peter's fishing? I toiled all night. I got nothing. Remember that? Hmm? And what, what happened when Jesus came into the scene? He had a catch that he could not pull out. That is man needing help. That is grace. So that's why I said, you need grace to succeed on the earth because the earth is already cost realm. It's already a cost realm. So you need grace to succeed on the earth. So Peter, who was a fisherman, the natural, was doing all that he was trying to do to catch a lot of fishes, but nothing was coming in all through the night. He did that. And what happened the next time? Jesus showed up and then he had a whole catch that people have to help him to draw in. Grace came in. He succeeded. Are you getting this? Good. Grace speaks of divine transformation. It speaks of divine transformation. That is what takes you from Mr. Nobody to Mr. Somebody. It's grace. Amen? It is, it is a number, if I may use the word, that speaks of one that is full of energy, but he doesn't know how to channel his energy responsibly. So when grace comes in, you know how to channel your energy. You know how to succeed. Hmm? You see, you see Peter there struggling to catch all the fish. He was a professional fisherman, so he knows what. He has all the energy, all the well with everything that he needed to do. Good fishing was in him. But he failed. Right? But when grace came in, he channeled his energy to the right side and he had a good catch. Because Jesus told him where to pull the nets. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, Jesus told him exactly where to pull the nets. He had all the energy, but he, was, he doesn't know how to direct his energy. So grace is that thing that enables you to direct your energy accurately to succeed in life. That's number five. Praise the Lord. Now, is it making sense to you? Right. Even in business, right? You have all the energy, you know how to sell, whatever, but if grace comes in, you will explode in that which you are doing because wisdom to do stuff will come. Hmm? Praise the Lord. Now, you know, Abraham was first called Abram. Is that okay? Right. He was Abram. Now, God called him Abraham. What happened was, he added later H to Abraham to become Abraham. And that later H is the number five 
in the Hebrew alphabet. Are you there with me? Letter H is number five in the Hebrew alphabet. So God added grace to his life and he brought forth. You see this? Now, if you take time to study that again, you find that the letter H is from the name of God, which is Yahweh. So God added his own nature. And Peter talks about we having received the divine nature. And that is grace that has come upon our lives. Are you sitting there with me? Right. So now, Abraham at this age was unable to bring forth, but when God impacted his life into Abraham, was the next thing that happened. Even Sarah, hate was added. Which means God imputed his life into them. And they were able to conceive and bring forth at a hundred and at ninety. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's grace now. So, you see, Abraham with his age had no ability of himself, even though he was a man, to bring forth until God impacted his life unto him. And so like I said, Peter and I said, through knowledge we have received all the divine nature of God. So you have to understand this. That's later H. That's number five. In fact, the truth is, in every situation you find yourself, you just lean as much as possible to lean on grace. But for direction, but for ability, you just lean to lean on grace. Praise God. All right. Now, that simple change from Abraham to Abraham was all that Abraham needed to become the father of many nations. Get that right. All that he needed. It's not about, that's also important, but it's not about praying or whatever the case may be, which is good, but what Abraham needed was that transformation, that change, that impartation or imputing, if you will, of his life. So if God, through grace, visits you, you change. From Abraham to Abraham, he receives a calling to become a father of many nations because grace came into his life. Are you getting this? Praise the Lord. Now, you know the story of Goliath and David. How did David kill Goliath? He picked five stones. Number of grace. Have you read that in your Bible? He picked five stones. He used one to kill Goliath. See that? He used grace. So, the strongest force that may be standing before you today can be brought down when you walk under grace. Are you there with me? Right. The strongest power that's opposing you, that's insulting your father and your mother, can be brought down when grace comes upon your life. You bring the person down. You bring the power down. Hallelujah. You remember Jesus feeding 5,000? How did he get that done? 
through how many fishes? We are regular. You understand that? So multiplication of that gives you the feeding of the five thousand. That power flows through grace. He picked the five loaves and two fishes, and grace came in. The multiplication. Did you get that? Now, if you take time to study the Bible, you find that there is nothing that Jesus did that does not have significant spiritual meaning. Everything he did. You try to study the element, you're going to find spiritual significance in everything he did. You understand that? Praise God. All right. So like I said before, after the fall of man, creation became cause, vanity. Therefore man and creation needed redemption. And that is grace. Man, creation was into a mess. So now God ought to think of redeeming man. And so grace was sent. Man needed grace to come out of the corrupt nation, the vanity that was upon the face of the earth. And one of the means by which God is doing that today is Ephesians 4.11. Hmm? What do you find in Ephesians 4.11? The fivefold ministry. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, John, the pastor. Fivefold ministry. Did you get that? Right. He redeems man in order to redeem man, in order to equip man, in order to bring them to the stature of the measure of Jesus Christ, he gave man the fivefold ministry. As the five fingers. There's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, huh? and then uh, the teacher. So the apostle is the head there. The evangelist is the longest because he goes further than any other person else. So the longest finger. And then the teacher is what he used to scratch your ear. You see that? To give you understanding. Huh? When wax fill your ear, you put your finger there. That's the teacher. Gives you instruction. So that's your five fingers. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Praise the living God. So you have the apostle here, then you have the prophet here. They are walking consonant. Actually, they come together. They are supposed to be walking together, these two people. You understand that? But again, you see, this one crosses all of them. The apostle can touch this, can touch this, can touch this, can touch this. You understand that? But you see, this one cannot easily cross to come and touch anyone, but the apostle goes around all. So the apostle can function in all of these offices. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is very important. So this is how grace works. See, the apostle works with the rest of the four ministries in the course of redemption. And God did that because redemption is in place. So we need a fivefold ministry with the apostle as a principal ministry to get redemption, to get man back unto him. So you have grace flowing through the fivefold ministry. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Right. So the, the teacher looks a bit smallest, but it's very powerful. And that's why people don't recognize the teacher because it's the smallest among the people. Look at your finger. It's the smallest. Nobody wants to think about the teacher. Huh? The man that is more prominent is the evangelist. He's always on TV. He's always everywhere. <laughs> Praise God. You know, he's everywhere. He's the longest. <laughs> Praise the living God. And the pastor is just staying close to the teacher. <laughs> They are like brothers here, you know. Say, my brother, now here we deal. 
just just stay there, do the teaching work, you know, just gather the flock there. Evangelists all out there making all the noise, you know. Yeah. So that's grace. Like okay, because of the corruption that's come upon mankind and the creation, so God needs to bring them back to himself. Are you enjoying this? Praise God. Okay. Uh I don't want to bother you with this. Uh, this is when I was studying, I come across this. Um, the, 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 there's something called the grammatia. Grammatia is how numbers uh, plays role in words. You know, uh, grammatia. That's what it's called. So you find that the alt, the word alt, is in grammatia is two ninety six, which is actually a multiple of four. You know, and then heaven is. Uh, Oh, heaven is, uh, uh, that's why I need help. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, heaven is talking about three, 396 as well. You know, <sighs> praise the Lord. Let me see here. Yeah, brother, 395. Earth is 296. Heaven is 395. Nice multiple of five. One is a multiple of four on that grammar Grammatia. You don't need to bother yourself about that. It will confuse your head. Just take the one that works. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Now, when you read in Psalm 107 verse 20, Psalm 107 verse 20, very interesting passage. He said, He sent His word and healed them. And deliver them from their what? Transgressions or destructions. That is grace. Sending his word and healing them is grace. It is something like redemption. So that is grace being played out in that particular passage. Now you see, with this study, when you start reading the Bible, it becomes more meaningful to you. When you come across where grace is speaking, you know this is grace talking. Hallelujah. So, all of those things we talk about, well, we're living under grace, and we're under grace, and all of those noise that we make. We don't even understand what we're talking about. The grace has been there all along. Like this Psalm 107 I just quoted now, that is grace playing out there. It's sent for this world, and the world healed them. Because man was in such a situation that He's sick, he's dead, and whatever the case may be. So, he needed help. So, grace is just simply help from God. Are you there with me? Right. So, here is a man sick, here is a man in hospital, whatever the case may be. Doctors have treated, nothing is happening. And he said, for his word, the word healed them. Grace came. Praise God. Are we here? All right. Uh, I want to use a few minutes remaining to apply this to your dreams. Uh, I, I feel when we study these things, we're going to be applying them to our daily lives. And then it, it will help you more. So that it's not just you just studying. Because I need you to grow. I need you to come to the place where when you begin to have some dreams of Ministrations coming to you, you will know exactly what God is talking about. So, in dreams, for instance, if you begin to see number five, 
It speaks primarily of improving your physical health. Your physical health. That means you need help in your physical health. Hallelujah. If you, for instance, I think you, you just need to get the tip. You may not be able to write everything I'm going to say. Okay. Because we have limited time, so I will not be able to give you room to write this. And then uh, maybe if you pay me some money, I can give you my transcript. Praise God. <laughs> okay, now, if for instance you are in a dream and you are writing number five, what do you think he's talking about? Your writing number five is trying to tell you that you are deciding to take part in the political or social life in your community out of love towards your people at your own place. You want to play a role. Politically and socially. We begin to write number five. So you are now like an administration of grace to the people in a political and social contest. I don't forget this. You know, grace is something that comes for help. Is that okay? Right. So you are seeing your community that they need help. Politically or socially. And so you begin to write number five in your dream. You see yourself writing down number five. That's what is ministering to you. You know? It means you have ideas and uh, you can improve the life of people in your community and give them a better life. So, it's like God giving you instruction. It's like God directing you on how you can channel your ideas and, the, and, and what he has dropped in your life that can help your people to get out of the life that they were before. Amen? And so when you begin to see this, it's no time to sit down in one place. God is just asking you to move. I remember when I was in the school, uh, when I was teaching, somebody a few days ago sent me a message. Are you David Ugaga? I said, Yes. Did you stay in a village in River State some years back? I said yes. Were you a teacher in the girls' secondary school? I said yes. Oh, praise the Lord. How wonderful is the world. Let us see what happened. I said, well, yes, I know you. You were a teacher, but today, you know, person was so, so happy. You know, I was there for eight years. Remember that? And when I was to leave, so... It was about when did you leave and all of that. I started to give the story. But this is where I'm coming to. Before I left, or when I was to leave, two things happened. I had a crusade one day. Deeper Life organized a crusade with some other people. They asked me to minister. And then I was just, I mean, I don't know how old I was in the faith, but I was the one to minister. So I just came up, stood on the platform, and I started sharing uh, the blood of Jesus, the deliverance from Egypt. What he did, the fire no people started falling, my principal fell down. <laughs> Very disgraceful. Everybody fell down. That's why close. Principal said, What are you still doing here? <laughs> say, Please, we don't need you in this community anymore. I said, I was just preaching, I didn't know what happened. <laughs> you know. And then after that incident, 
All other things, several things begin to happen. People begin to come to the house and then I was having this night, I had a dream and in that dream, I was putting on a wristwatch and I was playing a drum and I was singing a song, Time Will Tell, Time Always Will Tell. It was a music by one Jimmy Cliff in those days. You know, so I was singing that song and I sang it and I woke up. I look at my hand, there was no wristwatch in my hand. But God was trying to simply say, your time is over. Are you getting this? Right. So, the next time again, I had myself, I was in a dream again, and I sat on top of a well. You know, well speaks of water, life. Men shall draw water out of the well of salvation. So, I was sitting on top of the well, and here was this man, he's from Nasarawa State, elderly man, uh, in the ministry too. He just walked to me and said, what are you still doing here? They are waiting for you. I woke up. It was a dream. Instantly, I knew that my time with the teaching was over. So now, when you start seeing things, you have to understand that God is really propelling you to fulfill your life. Is that okay? Right. So, when start writing five, that's what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Writing five, that means you have some ideas and it is time for you to move in to assist your people socially and politically. Is that okay? Uh, now, in some of these journeys, you might have problems, you know, where you're moving in, but you courageously fight them off because you have a bigger goal to attain. It's not as if you're going to move in, it's going to be easy. No, there's never a time uh, in the true sense, God sends somebody a message and it's so easy as you just begin to walk and smoothly. No, never. Anytime sent in a message, there are going to be rough seasons, rough times. But the important thing is you definitely get to the final destination because there is something working behind you. It's not of yourself that you are going on a journey. Whoever is coming with you, I mean, as you go in, somebody is with you that is taking you along the line. Praise the living God. You know, look at the life of Jesus. The Bible says, for the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. Here was a cross, but that was the glory. So you're not going to get to the glory without the cross. It's always there. Praise the Lord. So, if you're moving into this dimension, trying to go help people socially and politically, as the case may be, there are definitely going to be issues, obstructions, whatever the case may be, but you will definitely be able to overcome them courageously because the goal is there. There's a greater goal you're going to attain. Is that okay? At this level too, you have to be very careful in choosing your partners and associates because they might just be coming around you because they want personal gains through what you are going to do. So, people join the Bangladesh one not because they have anything special they want to get. I mean, impute they want to make uh, answers. Huh? <laughs> you understand that? Right. People just join. People just join. You know, not because they, they, they have mind of what they want to gain, not because they want to make re-impute. Those who have the mind, they have something else. You know, but people just come to join. So you you have to be careful when God sends you to do certain liberational work and those who join with you at a team, it's important because most of them are coming to join with you just to get what they can get out of the movement. Not because they want to make impute. Are, are you there with me? Praise the living God. Alright. Now, if you see other people writing down number five, you're watching and somebody else is writing down number five in your dream, what is he talking about? He speaks of emotional problems. Emotional problems. You need to take good care of your own emotions. 
It's possible that you need a change in your relationship or in your lonely life. Somebody else is writing it. Not you writing it. Somebody else is writing it. And you see that the person is writing number five. You have an emotional problem that God wants to solve. Is that okay? If you are married or you are in long-term relationship, it can mean that probably you just um, accepted compromises to be there. You are there in the relationship, you are there in the marriage, but in the true sense, your spirit, soul, and body is not there. You accept that situation because of one thing or the other. You just like a compromise. You understand that? Let me give you a simple illustration of this. In, in Exodus chapter 4, thank you Lord. I hope Lord is not in this hall. Okay, in Exodus chapter 4, you know what I mean by that? It's only lucky that likes to challenge me to these things. Okay, now, Exodus chapter 4, you know what I mean? Right. You see, when God asked, help me Lord, when God asked Moses to go get the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible tells us, that in the end, God wanted to kill Moses. Why? The wife similarly have no idea about the mission and the call of Moses. Because he married Jethro's daughter. I don't know if you're getting this. So if you watch properly, you find it's like it was like a compromised marriage. <laughs> Moses was feeding the sheep of the father and uh, it was an opportunity you know it was a compromise marriage the woman doesn't understand the vision of the man and God was saying I'm going to kill you why? because when you bring the children of Israel out of Egypt you're going to circumcise them but now here is your son without circumcision I can't allow that and the woman saw the situation that the husband was going to die took a flee second side the child and through the flesh of Moses you a bloody man you like blood <laughs> you see what I mean right so that is one of those things so you see people writing number five you just saying that you need to deal with your emotions it's like you're saying man this system I was not supposed to be here this thing you know you're dealing with your emotion at that moment and so what you need there is actually grace now, some people will want to pull out and end a relationship, but what you actually need is grace at a moment. You understand that? Because you're already in, so you need grace. That's why it has to do with your emotions. You know, you're dealing with your emotions. How can I handle this? You know, all of those things. Praise the Lord. Now, what about if you're in a dream and there's an addition of five, maybe five plus five plus five, addition of five. What, what do you think it's talking about? It means you become very egoistic and you don't care for others. You're becoming very proud. You know, grace is, you understand that? Now you're adding grace, 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 you're just multiplying them, adding them up like that. You're just being boastful. You're proud when you're adding up five in your dream. Amen? You are coming to the place where you stop worrying about people. You don't care what happens. Have you heard people say that? I don't care what anybody thinks about me. That's man adding grace, grace, grace. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I don't care what you think about me. I just live my life. I don't care about anybody. Well, you should care. Because you're living amongst people. You are not in isolation. Huh? You should care. Praise the living God. You don't care about people's opinion. You're not worried. Whatever they say. That is the problem there. You're adding five plus five plus five. You're just adding. You know, God does not most often work in addition. He works in multiplication. Is that okay? Are we here? Praise the Lord. Now, if you walk in this dimension, you will lose those who truly cares for you and love you and respect you. You have to believe this. When you become proud, huh? you are going to lose people that love you, people that cares for you, and people that respect you. Am I correct? Yeah, that is the consequences. So, when you are in a dream and you're adding five, five, five like that, you know that there's trouble with your ego. <laughs> there's big trouble with your ego. You just work on it. This also means you are getting into a routine which you don't like at all. I mean, you don't like at all, but you doze enough, have enough energy, if you will, to change it. You don't have enough energy to change it. You know, you. You, you just see the situation, you don't have the enough energy to change the situation, and you are just, as it were, tolerating the situation again. So your ego, your emotions are at play when you're adding five, five, five like that. You know, you deal with your ego. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, all the time now. All right. If you're dreaming about other people adding fives, what is that supposed to mean? In other words, remember I'm giving you two faces to it. You're seeing, you're doing. You should know the difference. Is that okay? Right. So what about if you see other people? If you add in yourself, it's ego. What about if you see other people doing it? It suggests your risk in that venture will not pay off. Maybe you're in a business. Right? Or you're going into something and you see people adding five, five, you just simply tell you, that business is going to work. Mother, the risk you take in that business is not going to work. You understand that? So you have to question your decisions at a time. Decision you are made in setting up the business. You need to question it. Otherwise, you will spend all your money, spend your resources, take the highest, the best of risk to succeed. But you can come out of it. You see what I mean? So, ah, your decision has to basically cause you to withdraw or change your decision or go for something else. Or you're going to run into crisis at the end of the day. You don't have to be stubborn to this vision. When you see this thing playing out, don't be stubborn to it. You got to listen to advice from people, your pastor, your elderly ones, or men who have gone into such business before. You listen to them so that you don't come into a place of terrible business failure on the finances. When you start seeing people adding on five, you're watching at their adding on five. You understand that? You see, some of you have not been able, but God will help all of us grow. You see, the thing I was written when the Bethesda was to take take out of the throne, many many take offers, and the thing was right on the board. Somebody have to read it. 
Your time is off. Your throne is taken away from you. You understand that? But it was there. The king was seeing. Everybody was seeing. The hand was right on the wall. You see? So somebody, if somebody is adding up five, five, you are watching, he's adding up five, five, he's talking to you. What is he telling you? Check your decision. In your business dealings, what you need to do. Okay, what about if you have somebody or you come to the place, you are subtracting five. Maybe you have um, 25, you know, say minus five. 20 minus five. What, what do you think you're doing? In such a dream. Okay. Your subconscious mind is trying to tell you to deal with your health. This is personal to you. You understand that? It's trying to say pay attention to your health. It's possible that you have not gone off for checkup for a while. You've not checked your blood pressure for a while or something like that. When you are minusing, you are subtracting grace. I don't know if you're getting this. Right. You are subtracting from grace that you have. So maybe your health, you're feeling very strong, very agile, so you don't really bother to check up. And so God is trying to tell you, go check up. <laughs> go check up. I remember the first time, I, I, was, I was mad when we went to a meeting and the, the pastor speaking said, this is one thing people don't do. They don't check on their blood pressure, which is a silent killer. I was mad. Why do you want me to check on my blood pressure? What for? Because I was young. Huh? I want to check on blood pressure. For what? But when the teen showed up, hey, I knew the guy was speaking the truth. <laughs> you understand that? Right, so once in a while, it's not lack of faith. It's not lack of faith. Just go do some checkup. It's very important. So, if you're in a dream and you're subtracting five, you're doing subtraction of fives, your health needs to be checked. God is saying, go do a checkup. You understand this? Oh, so, he's saying, don't neglect your health. Even though you're not feeling very strong, very okay, you know, can do 100 miles. Go do some checkup. Maybe your kidney is having some little touch, you don't know. You know, I remember when we lost one of our very good pastors. This is somebody that's healthy, you can hardly, hardly indicate healthy bulky. You understand that? I don't know the kidney is already singing a new song. Yeah. So, if this kind of ministration has come up and he could see his social fractions and man, let me go check up. Run down full check. Check everything, you know, do the test, see your results. I have one, my friend, every year he spent time to go do complete checkup of all of his organs, everything, head to toe. They will check, go to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. It won't cost you anything, it rather cost you less. Instead of allowing the thing to blow up and run the whole system down. Hallelujah. Now, if someone is subtracting five, you're watching somebody subtracting five. It means you get out of crisis, you are currently in and enter a more peaceful period in your life. You're watching the pain subtracting five, subtracting five, right? No. If you have a business struggle, you are coming out of it. That's what he's talking about. 
And uh, I think as many I would like to end here. Well, let me just try this for you. Right. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Now multiplying five, we talked about addition. This is like you are being tricked into that which releases relates to business or emotional relationship. Multiplying five, five times five times five times five. You know? It's a trick into relationship or into business that not really you are not supposed to be involved in. Did you understand that? When you multiplying five. This time you pay enough attention to the contracts you are about to sign. So, you could be, I mean, you can avoid being scammed when you have this kind of revelation that you're multiplying five, multiplying five. You understand that? You are about being scammed. God is just trying to tell you, watch that contract you want to sign. That is not for you. Amen? Hallelujah. If you are involved, trying to get involved in some important projects and you see this, just pull back to save you money. Save you money, right? So, with that, you recognize fraud. So, one of the ways God can make you see that this thing is fraud is when you start multiplying five in your dreams. Amen. He's trying to say you're going to be cheated because you see, when you multiply five, you are bringing in, yeah, <laughs> you know what scamming means. You understand that? Money doubling. It's, it's like doubling. You are multiplying five. <laughs> That's what it means. So it's about to be scammed. That's what he's telling you. So you watch the kind of business you want to do and try to pull out of it. And if others are multiplying five, it's time for good news for you. Good news from abroad. Good news from outside your environment. You watch people, they are multiplying five. Good news is coming. If, if, for instance, maybe you apply for a visa, maybe it's like saying you'll be able to get your visa. Document, traveling document, whatever, any of those things, they are really going to be available. When you see somebody that is, you know, grace is coming to you, you're just watching them. Things are going to happen. You are not the one doing it, somebody else is doing it, right? Okay. Uh, when you are dividing, Five. What does it tell you? It means you need to change either your career or some expected evils, whatever the case may be. You just need to change that. Is that okay? I'm talking of dividing. Is that okay? On this time too, is making it to sound strong. In your life and conviction to attain to positive end so that you can come out of every situation as a winner when you see yourself dividing five. Praise the Lord. Yeah, like I said, you need a lot of courage, you need a lot of strength to survive that period because it's like an evil is coming, a challenge is coming. Praise the Lord. Okay, so dividing is a warning to create a balance. It's human nature to fight for better things and to achieve them. So when you're dividing five, God is trying to say, create a balance. Just try to create a balance. Remember we said five is the number of balance. Remember that? Five fingers, five toes, that is balance. So when you're dividing five, 
God is saying, create a balance. You're losing focus. You're losing balance. Have I helped you tonight? Number five. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.